0: Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. In this episode, we are going to be talking a little bit about how we can go about making the decision for how our children are going to be schooled in the near future. School has changed a lot and maybe your child has been in public school and that they've been learning from home, they've been doing online learning. Maybe you've kind of just had to opt out of the curriculum and the work that your child's school has been sending home because you can't get your kid to do it. And now we're kind of at the end of the school year and we're looking forward to next school year and trying to make some decisions about how schooling and education is going to look for your child. And it's confusing. And so I called in my good friend and colleague and to help us answer some of these questions and get a little bit more clarity on how we can approach schooling um, in the midst of all this uncertainty. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Jen Lumenmon of the Your Parenting Mojo podcast, and I'm so excited to have her here. Uh, Jen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Sure, thanks so much for having me, Laura. Um, You've been on my podcast, what is it, three times now, Two? two, Certainly two times, if not three times. So it's nice to be able to turn the tables. Um, Yeah, so I host a podcast called Your Parenting Mojo, and it aims to take a look at the psychological research on parenting and child development, and really translate that into tools that parents can use to make decisions about raising their child. So instead of uh, just looking at the latest clickbait study it gets all the press and and they tend to be followed by well five ways you can improve your child's growth mindset or whatever it is for you know we sort of take a step back from that and say well is growth mindset even something we should be paying attention to in the first place <laughs> because I think that that often gets neglected and so yeah so it's it's a lot of fun we have 110 plus episodes out right now on uh, all aspects of parenting and child development and uh lots uh, that are relevant to things we'll be discussing today I think related to social justice and uh, talking with your kids about race and, and all kinds of things like that as well
0: yes yeah like you have so many good episodes um if you'd like to geek out on child development uh it's the place to go because she really gets you and um will tell you to kind of teach you through listening how to evaluate research um evaluate the information that you read and hear Um, look at it through a critical lens uh, and then see how you can apply it and build that into your approach to parenting. So I love your podcast. I recommend (laughs) it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, here at The Balanced Parent, we always want to start off by asking the people that we talk to what balanced parenting means to them. This is something that we're kind of co-constructing together as a community and uh, we all have different definitions of what it means. And so I'd love to have you tell us kind of what that means to you.
1: Mm, co-constructing learning. I, we're probably going to come back to that as a theme as well <laughs> when we talk about school. Um, so I, I kind of think of this from a perspective of two different levels, because I think the easiest thing to do when you're parenting is to parent the way that we were raised. Um, because that's that's what feels normal. It feels natural, uh, but often it's not very balanced. <laughs> because our parents weren't necessarily raised with all of the things that we know about now about uh, how children learn and grow and develop. They didn't necessarily know all those things, and so maybe there's a lot of arguing and shouting and shaming, and uh, especially the parent feeling like they're in, at the end of their rope, and maybe the child as well. And and so there's sort of a lack of balance there. And then I kind of layer the additional level above that and thinking, okay, well, how do I wanna show up in this relationship? And what about myself needs to change to be able to do that? And as part of doing that, it's looking at what tools can I use to be able to do that and not sticking dogmatically to any particular set. You know, I'm I'm a proponent of respectful parenting just like you are, but there are aspects of it that didn't work so well for us. And so we didn't say, well, we're doing this, so we have to do everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can pick and choose and pull from from whichever approaches make most sense to you so that you can find balance in your life as a parent. And then that of course feeds down into the well, how am I actually interacting with my child on a daily basis? And and then I don't need to do the arguing and the shouting and the shaming and I don't feel like I'm the end of my rope all the time so they kind of feed into each other I think
0: yeah lovely yes I think that that will resonate with lots of folks so yeah when we talk about balanced parenting it's not just the actual acts of parenting but kind of having a balanced life in the midst of parenting and using parenting um, kind of as this method for achieving more balance more healing and more growth Okay, so I wanted to talk with you today because um, school is wrapping up for a lot of kids around here and as kind of we start facing um, kind of what our world is going to look like in the next few months, there's a lot of uncertainty about what school is going to look like for those of us who've had kids in public schools. Um, we're not sure how that's going to go. The schools themselves, I don't think, are sure. Um, and so, right, yeah, and, and so, there's just a lot of uncertainty. And I know that the parents around me are. Um, having have lots of questions about it, so I would love to just get your kind of open broad picture take on what are some of the things that you're seeing parents being concerned about, kind of what are they um, considering as they are making their decisions for next year, what should we be thinking about um, and yeah, so just kind of take this broad level view for us if you can
1: yeah I mean I think. The uh, uns- we always struggle with uncertainty. <laughs> um, that 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 can be very very challenging for us. So there's there's kind of that aspect of it. The, the we don't really know what's going to happen, and it doesn't seem like the school districts really do either. And then there's the additional issue that um schools in many places have been pretty much doing online learning distance learning some kind of not physically present in schools learning for the last few weeks and i think a lot of parents are kind of looking at how the last few weeks have gone and thinking i don't know if we're going to be able to do this long term Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how on earth is this going to work and so they are starting to worry not only about the uncertainty aspect but the okay if we are seriously doing this for the foreseeable future, into the autumn semester, the fall semester, um, what is this? How how can this work for my family? Um, and so, I think one way that parents can start to feel as though they have a sense of balance around this is to get involved in what the district is planning. So, um, a, a lot of districts are putting out information on their websites, uh, holding parent meetings with parents, also meetings with students for high school students who. They, they, I think they should do it with younger children too, but they, <laughs> they tend to do it with <laughs> high school age children. So you can go to those and you can find out what they're thinking and what they're planning and uh, look out for the information they're putting out. You know, some, some schools in some places are going to reopen essentially unchanged. Um, it's going to look a lot like it did before. In some places they're gonna be putting up sneeze guards in between desks and um, spacing out the the desks more. And when you start spacing out desks, then of course that's when things really start to change because. Desks were already pretty packed in the classroom, and you can't fit enough desks mm-hmm. in the classroom to fit everybody who needs to go. And so, uh, when that happens, there's going to be probably some kind of reduced schedule. So, mm-hmm. uh, some children might go in the morning and some in the afternoon, they might alternate days. Uh, some schools are going to go partly online, some are going to be completely online. Uh, in my local school district in Berkeley, they have announced it's going to be completely remote learning for the autumn semester. Okay, so, wow. Um, so I think we can encourage our, our school district leaders to think creatively. Um, we could potentially have teachers and, or, sorry, um, teenagers and adults maybe move to more online learning. And then we could use the space mm-hmm. <laughs> from adult schools and from, um, from high schools and use those for younger children. Um, could we have more outdoor based programs? How, how can we use this moment to uh, really think creatively about what education means, and um, and and bring more of the the progressive ideas into education uh, that are based in how we know children learn, uh, which is uh, based on their interests rather than on what somebody tells them <laughs> they should be yeah. doing.
0: Um, and so, that's, I mean, that's yeah. not how most like that's not how most public school, is have, even in many many like high achieving private schools, that's not how learning is approached. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know about other parents, but I know I've seen in my kids that being home and learning from home, um, we really had to be child led and interest led in order to kind of get the work done and to kind of keep moving forward with things. Mm-hmm. And so um, I learned a lot about how my children learn just watching them learn um, what works and what doesn't work with them and i feel a little uncomfortable with the idea of sending particularly my oldest back into a system that isn't um, interest led and so i hear what you're saying i think that there's great opportunities for you know leading maybe a systemic change in how we approach education um i don't know if that's going to happen <laughs> right now you know? by next
1: autumn yeah <laughs> right. yeah,
0: you know and i i think i just so for parents who maybe are seeing like maybe the maybe public schooling or traditional schooling isn't working for my kid for like both of my kids stopped biting their nails during this time mm. Um, so there was something that was anxiety provoking about being away from us all day, being in another circumstance. Um, my older daughter said that she but like was biting her nails at school because she was bored and didn't have anything to do, Mm. you know? (laughs) I mean, and so I, like, so I think that lots of us have realized that maybe schooling needs to look a little bit different for our kids, regardless of what happens next year with the schools. Um, so like, for those parents who've realized that maybe it needs to look a little bit different from their kids. um, What do parents need to do over the next couple months to get ready for, Mm. for that, to kind of make some changes in how their child is educated?
1: Yeah. And, and, Yes, there are some parents who are looking at uh, the changes that have happened over the last couple of months and who are seeing things like you're seeing with your child. There are also some parents who loved public school and their kids loved public school and loved everything about it, um, And but they are realizing that distance learning is not working for them, mm-hmm. <laughs> that public school, as it's going to look like in the next six months or so is not going to work Um, because uh, so much of uh, what happens at school is not chosen by the child as we know it's chosen by other people and they tell the child what to do and so uh, when you're in school the teacher provides the pressure to do that Uh, the peers provide the pressure to do that just being outside of the home and being in another environment provides that pressure but as you found out when your child is home all the time uh, you're the one who has to provide that pressure. <laughs> and you're either going to provide that pressure and uh, and possibly struggle, uh, possibly not if your child is kind of a rule follower and is happy to do what you say. But other than that, um, if somebody else is making the decision about what the child's going to learn, then, um, then you're probably setting yourself up for power struggles and uh, difficulties that will then kind of Invade your relationship with your, your your parenting relationship with your child um, as well. And so There are I think a couple things that we can we can do here that uh, the first is what what is known in the homeschooling world as de-schooling and that's the idea about uh, Just decompressing taking time where we're not thinking about school and traditional learning (laughs) Mm -hmm. and doing anything like that. And uh, you can talk about it with your children And, and maybe there are aspects of, of what they're doing in school that they really love. I know your daughter really loves to learn common core-based math, you know, the (laughs) curriculum-based math. If she loves to do that, buy her all the workbooks she wants to do, (laughs) and and she can keep doing that. Maybe there are aspects of of that traditional style of learning they don't love so much and they don't want to do anymore. Um, So you can have those conversations, but at the same time, just just allow a lot of time for relaxation. And, And parents who have gone through this process will say that it takes about a month of time for every year that the child was in school to go through that de-schooling process and it would be more if it was stressful or traumatic for your child Mm -hmm. and so what you're doing in that time is you're spending a lot of time doing things that may not look like learning to you they they're just fun you know bike around the neighborhood take walks read books uh play a lot (laughs) connect with people through video calls if you need to connect with family that way Uh, get them involved in in just the work of running the household um so that that's that's the first part of it for for children. And of course, there's also a deschooling aspect for parents as well, because the vast majority of us went through school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we have ideas about what, what learning looks like, right? <laughs> I think
0: so. Okay, so how do parents deschool themselves? <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like so much of parenting that can take a while and <laughs> and the work may never be done, but it, it just involves thinking a lot about how you think about learning. So who chooses what the child will learn? I mean, when you think about it from a traditional school perspective, that's obvious the, the teacher or the parent decides what's important. Um, but when you think about it from a, a child led learning perspective, it's more of, well, what is the, what's the child's interest? What do they want to learn about? Because if they choose the topic that you're learning about, then uh, they are, they are in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, have there been any topics recently where, where your child is, has uh, really kind of uh, maybe something even was sent home from school and they just latched onto that topic and ran with it
0: yeah not very many but um uh-huh. just this week she had to go on a virtual tr- field trip to uh Georgia Aquarium an aquarium mm-hmm. in Georgia and um she loved it she dove right in she did way more of the work than she was expected to do, like she was supposed to write one math problem from one of the exhibits and she wrote a math problem for every exhibit that she visited, (laughs) you know, like she was just, she loved it Um, and I I mean, I see that a lot for her that um, wildlife and nature um, are the way in for her and I think I've seen, you know, I've always believed in child-led learning, but seeing it like in action, seeing all that she does, like she has, Um, we have this old computer that was like mine from like undergrad um, that doesn't work anymore, but that they play with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and she carries it with her and just pretend types in it Oh. all of her, like, observations about, like, nature and animals. And she has, like, she has an, a nature journal that she keeps where she, you know, catalogs all the animals that she sees every day. And this is completely on her own. Mm-hmm. You know, she's keeping this journal because she wants to take it to her grandpa's house and show her grandpa all of the animals that she's seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I mean, it's beautiful to see her doing those things. And, you know, I... I feel sad sometimes thinking about her going back into a traditional schooling environment where she won't get to do those. At the same time, though, she talks a lot about missing her friends and missing Mm -hmm. her teachers and missing school too. So I think that that is another question that I'd love to talk about is like, so how can we have them have the kids have a balanced life if -hmm. they're home with us? Um, learning from home. Um, how can we make sure that they're still connected with their kids, that they're still fulfilled, or with their friends, um, that they're mm. still feeling fulfilled and balanced, um, and have kind of a well-rounded experience?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, just before we get to that, I just want to pull out two ideas from what you were talking about okay. in that. In that. Uh learning experience about the aquarium firstly the topic i mean the teacher happened to latch onto something that your child was interested in and she ran with it and that's what child-led learning is like mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so uh, there will be other students in the class who don't care about aquariums and if they if the topic had been about what life is like on mars they would have gone off and run with it and so when you are uh, working with as a much smaller group of children, you're able to tailor learning in that way, um, in a way that you just can't um, when you're in school and, and, you don't have to be standing in front of her saying, okay, you memorize this fact about the aquarium because she's, she's interested in it. She's just going to learn that stuff. And then the other critical aspect of it was that you recognize that what she was doing is learning, even though she wasn't, wasn't sitting, maybe she could have been lounging on the floor in the living room instead of sitting at a desk. She wasn't in front of a textbook. She was looking at something on a screen. Uh, she wasn't making an effort to memorize certain facts. Um, she was still learning mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were able to recognize that. And I think that's a really critical step for parents in the de-schooling process as well is to, uh, to recognize learning, even when it doesn't look the way that we think of it as happening in school, where it has to be painful and hard mm-hmm. <laughs> and it has to involve a lot of memorization. So, um, yeah, so, so on the balanced part, uh, I mean, obviously socialization is hard right now, Mm -hmm. um and so i think there are a few ways that we can we can do it um one way is to to not feel as though you have to spend a lot of time doing school um there was a beautiful analysis done by a teacher a while ago um posted online where she talked about uh, all of the things that detract from time spent learning in an average school day. And the amount of time children actually spent learning is, is somewhere between 50 minutes and an hour in, in an average school day.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow.
1: Yeah, and so you shouldn't feel that because your child is in school that if you're going to give them the same kind, the same quality, the same caliber of educational experience, that you have to be standing in front of them with flashcards for six hours a day. It's just not true. And so what 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 does that open up? That opens up a lot of time for other (laughs) potential activities. And so this can involve playing, and it should involve a lot of playing by themselves with siblings. Um, It can involve video calls with friends and family members. I've heard uh, uh, grandparents these days are finding ways to connect with uh, children by reading stories. A lot of grandparents kind of have a hard time interacting with kids on video calls. It kind of seems to stall. Um, and if if your grandparent is willing to record some the, them reading some books to your child, uh, then your child can listen to them on their schedule and still feel that connection. And pretty soon they'll have a library of books that they love that their grandparent is reading and, um, so that's another way to get that connection um,
0: Wait, because can I, we, wait, can I interject something there yeah. too so um, I know you have an episode on family storytelling and yeah. family storytelling research is so lovely and fascinating too so don't just read like if you're a grand you know if you have grandparents who are willing to make videos for your kids don't mm-hmm. just read have them read books have them tell stories stories of oh supply, yeah family
1: stories too yeah uh, you know
0: stories of when you were little when they were little all of those stories having them on video, like what a gift! What, like, oh yeah, you know, what a th- amazing thing to save. I um, mean, they're very good for kids, too, to be yeah. hearing and listening to.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and and that goes back again to being creative about different ways of seeing this interaction. Um, because we we have this view that, um, that interaction for children has to be with somebody who's exactly their own age, when actually, in the course of human history, that's super weird (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to just spend time with people who are the same age as you and so uh if your child is spending uh time with people who are a lot older or a lot younger that's totally fine it doesn't it doesn't have to look the same way that it looks in school so um finding socialization time where you can um and and allowing a lot of free time and a lot of play time i think is is what this can what can bring a lot of balance to to homeschooling for for kids Okay. And
0: so then that's good for the the balance piece of it for the kids. But what about for parents parents who are maybe working from home, they've been able to make arrangements so that they can keep working from home um, while their kids are transitioning in school. What about for the parents And, and not just, you know, work and parenting and schooling, but in order to do that well here at the balanced parent, we believe you have to be taking good care of yourself. You have to be doing, you know, stuff that is, fills you up and lights you up um, and that you're passionate about in order to be have room for those like emotional energy for those other spaces. So how can parents feel balanced and good and grounded while taking on the task of educating their kids?
1: Yeah yeah I think it's important to not see it as a as a net ad as <laughs> mm-hmm. something else that you have to cram into your day mm-hmm. um, a, a couple of the strategies that I try to use um or that i I've seen work for other parents as well is firstly deciding. Uh, where you can work with your child to reduce the, the burden on you and also what you might need to let go. So if, if laundry has to get done, um, if, if your child is willing to help you do laundry, then that can be quality time. That, that can be legit quality time that you spend with your child. It can also be learning time. As you work on skills like cooperation and uh, matching mm-hmm. pairs and <laughs> um, how do we fold things neatly and why is it important to fold is it important to fold things neatly thinking critically about those kinds of things um, and and also it gets the chore of laundry done as well yes it's gonna take longer but if you were going to be spending that chunk of quality time with your child anyway mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter if folding the laundry takes an extra 10 minutes because you were kind of multitasking at the same time um, so so that's one kind of bucket of things another thing that i've been doing a lot of is uh going grocery shopping less (laughs) (laughs) so i used to go shopping every week now i go every two weeks and i make uh, i just buy more of stuff and have uh every everything i make is going to serve two dinners and a lunch and so I'm cooking a whole lot less as well. And so you're I are becoming I, more efficient. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. cooking. So, um, so that aspect of it uh, is, is not a burden to me as such, but taking an hour to an hour and a half every day to cook dinner is a burden. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so every other day, it takes me 15 minutes to get dinner ready. Um, and then lunch out of it as well. So, so there's, those kinds of creative ideas that you can come up with to say, okay, what really needs to happen here? And what's the most efficient way that we can make that happen? Um, and the other aspect of it is, is getting help. So if you have another parent at home, then figure out what, what work really needs to get done here. What do you like to do? What do I like to do? How can we make all this happen? What can I take off your plate? how can how can we help each other um who else is around you know there are probably neighbors or close friends that if you're not already kind of co-isolating with that maybe you could move towards that um they take your kids for one day you take their kids for one day Mm -hmm. chances are with more kids around they often tend to keep themselves busier and more engaged than (laughs) than they do when it's just the the one child or the siblings and so that even though it seems like oh my goodness why, why would i ever do that um you may find that it ends up being less work and you're actually able to get more done on those days than you do on the days when it's just your children at home so
0: Absolutely. So more children makes less work in my, yeah. like in my, I'm uh, not necessarily more siblings. I'll, I mean, I only have two, <laughs> but, but I can imagine that four siblings might be quite a lot, but mm-hmm. for kids, you know, mm-hmm. where the two, they can pair off and play together or yeah. play all four of them together. Yeah. Um, and they're new different. to
1: each other and they yeah. don't have all the inbuilt squabbles and everything
0: else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there's not as much, you know, they're like sibling relationships are laden, you know, they're laden with fear and rejection and jealousy, you know, that friendship relationships don't always have. So Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay any other tips for us <laughs> <laughs> well I guess uh, specifically on the the homeschooling
1: aspect of it um you know I, I developed a, a course to help parents basically figure out how how can this work for them how how can this uh, this period even if we know we're going back to school as soon as school is going to reopen um if there's going to be some period of time where we are going to be doing homeschooling how could this possibly work and so that's I created the confident homeschooler course to do that and one of the things we talk about in there is picking a system that works for both of you when it comes to learning so if your child does love common core math keep doing it if you both find security in curriculum it's fine to use it um, if you want to use curriculum for one subject for, but not for other subjects that's fine um, but it's where uh, your child is really resisting using the curriculum that it's it's time to examine as a parent uh, whether this is really helping or not yes i mean honestly curriculum is mostly there for the parent It's there for the parent to say, if we're following this book and we're doing what the book says, my child is probably learning everything they need to learn Um, because we have been taught that we can't trust ourselves to know if our child is learning, to know if our own child is Mm -hmm. learning something, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that somebody else has to validate that and they have to study and they have to Uh, test themselves and then we'll know if they're learning but if we can trust ourselves to do that we don't need the curriculum Um, and and also seeing seeing this learning that happens outside of school and I so often this comes from a child's questions instead of just answering the child's question when they ask it you could just kind of take a step back and say huh I wonder (laughs) why does it happen like that Um, and and use that as an opportunity to explore uh, whatever it is they're interested in. And, and I'm sure you won't be surprised about the rabbit holes that you can go mm-hmm. down <laughs> once you get started on that kind of thing. It, you may never make it to an answer. And then for people who went through school, that's really weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why wouldn't you get to an answer? And Sometimes there are no answers to questions children want to know about, but they learn so much through the process of finding out
0: yeah I think it's super important to help our kids get comfortable, but with discomfort, yes that, a state of not knowing of mm-hmm. you know of, um of being in a place where the answers can't always be known or they won't be known for some time, like that is uncomfortable, it's an uncomfortable place to be in. um I think that we all need to get comfort you know comfortable with discomfort, you know. Yeah.
1: Right now. And when yeah. you think about the the kinds of careers our children are going to be in, in 15 years when they graduate high school or college, uh, they're going to be careers where being uncomfortable with not knowing something is gonna be critical that because we're solving enormous world problems and you can't do that if if you need to go from question to answer in a 10 minute period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be able to sit with that discomfort and acknowledge it and work towards what you think is right and realize it wasn't right and redirect and, and be okay with taking two steps forward and knowing what you're heading towards right there and not knowing what's beyond that. Um, so yeah, e- even, even just that which to parents can look like, well, that's not learning anything it is, it really is. It's yeah. important stuff.
0: And so then you mentioned in passing that your um, new course, the confident homeschooler. So mm-hmm. for folks who are um, kind of grappling with this, this decision and need some support and some guidance, where can they go to find um, information about that course?
1: Yeah. It's your parenting mojo.com forward slash confident homeschooler. And it's basically decide, it's it's designed to help parents who are in this deer in the headlights place, (laughs) thinking, okay, Mm -hmm. the way school has been working over the last few months is not going to work for my child, even if I love public school in general. Um, what am I going to do, uh, for the next few months to get through this period where we're going to be doing learning at home? Um, how do I choose a curriculum if I decide I want to do that? Uh, if I decide I don't want to do that, how, how do I get deeper into this de-schooling process? What does interest-led learning look like? How can I know if my child is learning? Um, the social and emotional learning that is so critical for children. I mean, when you ask teachers what skills they want uh, young children to have coming to school, they don't care if your child can read. They don't care if your child can uh, right or count to 20 or whatever it is. If your child has social and emotional maturity, the teachers can take care of the rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so there's so much you can be doing in this period to work on those skills that will give your child a running start when school does get going back again. If you already know that you're going to be going back mm-hmm. into the school system, um, as well as the kinds of social and emotional learning that, that just never happen in schools. And that are so important and that we as parents figuring out how to become balanced parents, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and uh, learning just for ourselves at middle age, what does it mean to be fully present in our bodies? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <It's> just <laughs> what with child- our emotions. Exactly. Yeah. If
1: you could help your child do that now, what would that look like? So yeah, so it's really designed to, to help you understand that and just get comfortable with this idea of, okay, learning is going to happen at home for this period of time uh let's let's be comfortable with it, let's let's enjoy it. I'm gonna enjoy it, my child's gonna enjoy it, it's gonna be beneficial for our relationship. So so yeah, that's it, your forward slash confident homeschooler.
0: Okay, great. And so one of the overarching goals of this podcast is to create a community around um the idea that we can create a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. So (laughs) <laughs> um the, I mean seriously that like, yeah. that's my mission you know yeah. and so um I would love to know kind of what are three things that you do to stay balanced in your parenting Mhm Um
1: I think I may, maybe going from uh, most tactical to <laughs> most strategic, <laughs> one of my most tactical but most helpful things is, uh, is keeping a to-do list on paper so that as soon as I've written something down, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to keep, it, keep this kind of running tally in my head of all mm. the ways that I'm failing <laughs> as it were, all the things I haven't done yet, um, all the things that are staring me in the face. Uh, I write it down and yes, it still has to be done, but then I can let it go. And that actually helps me an enormous amount. Um, the second thing is that I make time to, I, I try to make time to go for a long bike ride once a week and most weeks it does happen. Um, and that I find, uh, gives me an enormous amount of space. Yes. I get physical exercise out of it, but I also find that, um, that to me is is kind of like play and it allows my it allows me to turn off my left brain for a while, the, the one that tells all the stories about what's going on and tries to make logical sense out of things and, and logically work through problems and shut that part off and instead get in touch with what's my right brain telling me? What do I feel about this? Um, and when, when I shut off the left brain and tell it to just be quiet for a little bit, I often find that solutions to problems that I'm facing just kind of appear kind of magically. <laughs> um, so so that's that's an important part of my physical self-care, but also my mental and emotional self-care. And then the final thing that I like to do is pretty much without fail to spend an hour a day with my daughter. And so if you have four or five kids and you're thinking, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, there are still ways. It doesn't have to be an hour. I, I have one child and so I can spend that time with her, but it could be shorter chunks of time. But just to to reinforce that one-on-one relationship, um, because yes, we're around each other all day where she's at home all the time. I'm at home all the time. We're having these continual interactions throughout the day, but an hour a day where we're focused on nothing but what she wants to do. If she wants to sit on the sofa and yesterday evening she's pulling stickers out of a sticker book and I'm sticking them in her notebook and we did that for an hour Mm -hmm. um and that was exactly what she (laughs) wanted to do and uh and and she felt more connected to me after that I think and I I felt more connected to her and so that uh time no matter what we're doing uh, no matter how meaning, meaningless it might seem to me to stick stickers in a notebook uh, is time that, that deepens our relationship and, and that I value immensely and that uh, I try very hard to do every single day.
0: Okay. Awesome. Thank you for those tips. <laughs> okay, everybody. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much Jen for coming um, and telling us all about um, kind of how we can be a little bit more balanced as we approach this kind of scary and overwhelming idea of um, changing the way we educate our kids right now. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Okay, friends, I hope that that episode was helpful in kind of talking through some of the things that I've been thinking through when it comes to making a decision about where my kiddo is going to be going to school and how she's going to be doing her learning next year. Um, If you have other questions on this topic, please feel free to either reach out to me or to Jen. She's open to hearing from you. And take her course. I'm going to be enrolling in it. I'm really excited to learn from her. She did her master's degree in kind of how parents can go about making this uh, decision. And so she knows a lot and she's got a lot of great resources in the course for you. Another thing that I wanted to make sure you knew about as we come up to father's day is that I'm having a father's day sale on my respectful parenting 101 course. So if you use the coupon father's day, 2020, uh, you can get 20% off on my course. And, um, hopefully you and your partner who can take the course together and bring more peaceful and respectful and conscious parenting into your everyday lives Uh, that course is super helpful in kind of giving you the basics and it will also make things go a lot smoother in your home look things have changed we are going to be home with our kids a lot more the foreseeable future and you might have already noticed that things aren't going as smoothly maybe as you want them to be or as they could be and respectful parenting I promise is is the way to get things going in a smoother calmer more connected direction Uh, and it's not just my way or the highway in that course what I do is I actually walk you through how to set goals how to get a touch with your core values as a parent and learn how to parent from them. So you're the one who's making the decisions about what limits are uh, appropriate for your child and their place in development. And that reflect your family's values. I'm just showing you how to do that in a respectful way. So I hope you'll join me in that course. I love to see you in there and make sure you take advantage of the father's day discount with the coupon code father's day, 2020. and most importantly, of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb, and you're already doing it. You've got this.